Hi, and welcome to the Team Deacons podcast. This podcast is a dialogue between Roger and James Deacons, joined by Matt Wyman, starting from a submitted question and ending who knows where. We're also joined by guests on occasion. We're connecting through Zoom, so bear that in mind when you hear the audio. If you'd like to submit a question, please do so by emailing pod, P-O-D, at rogerdeacons.com. We've been talking about live action and animation, and today we'll talk about both. Our guest today has worked in both animation and live action, so we're hoping he can speak to the similarities and the differences of the role of production designer in the two formats. We're currently working with him on the animated feature Vivo. We're very pleased to have Carlos Zaragoza with us today. Carlos, can you tell us what your path has been to where you are now? Did you always want to be a production designer? Well, first, thank you for, for inviting me for your conversation. It's been the most inspiring listening this, these days. Um, well, I, I always like to do what I do, but I didn't have an idea that that has a name or it was what was production design. Right. So, and I guess that like many of us, you know, we, we started like as kids playing, you know, coming up with the stories and, and drawing, doing sculptures, you know, playing with the Lego, whatever. And that's pretty much my foundation. Uh, but I didn't know, uh, until later what, you know exactly what it is. I, I first went to the university to do uh, fine arts painting, and mm. I wanted to make a living out of my personal work. That was quite difficult at the time. I guess it's not easy these days anyway. So I, you know, I was painting in my studio and trying to get into galleries and doing exhibitions, and it was really hard. And at the time, they uh, reopened the official film school in Madrid. I was close, and, and that's when I found out about art direction and production design. You know, I, I studied in fine art, I also studied um, scenography for theater. And, and this was all these different interests combined in one single thing, right? And, mm -hmm. and so that's how I studied. And, so I went to a film school to study art direction for live action films. And I, after finishing that three years later, I worked in live action films for, uh, for a decade. Mm. So it's been, you know, that's pretty much my background. So you grew up in Spain, right? Yeah, I was, I was born in, in Madrid and mm -hmm. um, different cities in Spain before moving out. When did you move out here? Um, it was, uh, I think I've been in the States for 12 years. Oh my God, I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> no, I, I left, actually left uh, Madrid, Spain in 2007. I moved with my girlfriend, now wife, Aurora, to London for a couple of years, then another year in Canada, and then more than a decade in the States. Well, were you moving moving doing jobs did you know what you were going to when you that's quite kind of trip to go to the uk and then canada and here yeah is i mean i always liked the idea of traveling right when i was a kid 
and and not only being a tourist but living in places having to survive and deal with taxes and and doctors and everything <laughs> is when you get to actually know the place right and i was i i pretty much when how i started in animation i was i was working in a an amazing project in I was set designer in a project in, in Spain at the time uh, that was Pompeii. At the time, it was directed by Roman Polanski. And we spent a whole deal of time designing the sets. And, um, and then when, you know, went out for a break. And so we decided to go to London on vacation. And uh, at the time, uh, the production designer of the film called me and told me the project is dead. So maybe you're in London, it's a good idea to look for a job over there. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and my, my wife, Aurora, was already directing in animation in Spain. So uh, she knew they were starting a project in London when they were looking for set designers. And, and you know, that was my first step into animation. Wow. 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 Carlos, can you explain... What what a production designer actually does and in, in the key, the role on set and how they're helping the film. Yeah. The production designer, I mean, there are certain differences from animation to live action, but yeah. uh, pretty much the same concept. So you are the, the head of the art department. You are uh, responsible for a great deal of what's behind the camera in animation. You're responsible for more things than in usually in live action depending on the projects, but you're pretty much responsible for the, uh, with the BFX soup and cinematographer responsible for uh, the look of the film. So it's about coming out with the visuals that support a vision for the story. And sometimes you, you know, you work in different projects with different directors. Sometimes the director has a vision, a very clear vision and very secure about what they want and how. Sometimes they don't have a clear vision, and I find I find interesting both ways. Uh, but you're pretty much you have to put together a team of the best talent ever, surround you with the best <laughs> artists. You know that are the ones that are gonna uh, supervise or develop specific areas of that. I I cannot find, I mean, I, I got in love with animation because it's, you know, for me, it was very, I don't know, like it really is, like a really fresh air, right? In live action, you know, uh, James and Roger, in live action, we have to deal with certain limitations and hmm. sometimes are conceptual, other ones are budget. Yeah. And so when I started animation, many of those conceptual anima- budget limitations were blown out. It was very liberating, right? Mm -hmm. And then I learned that you have to also deal with another limitations. You know, it's only that they're different. But I'm still pretty much in love with it. As a production designer, I think you have more more room to contribute visually to the projects. And and yeah, totally hook into it. On live action... You really need to communicate with the cinematographer on what you're planning on looks and all that. But in animation, since there isn't really a cinematographer, who do you relate to about all of this? 
Obviously, things are changing uh, a lot in animation in a good way. For example, you are collaborating in the project, you know, with the rest of us artists, you know, that is a, it's an amazing thing. And so traditionally in animation, they, they weren't considering the layout supervisor or the lighting a director, cinematographers. Now they learn so much also from live action that they're starting to reinvent that figure. And I think it's a great thing, but traditionally I will communicate with the head of the layout that is the camera aspect of the cinematographer mm -hmm. and with the lighting art director. That is the lighting aspect of the cinematographer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes are, you know, uh, because of my background, lighting, lighting, I mean, I don't have a background in lighting. You know, I studied cinematography too, but it's not my expertise. So i lucky to have Andy Harness to uh, deal with that because he's the expert. And so it's like a split compared with live action is tricky because it's, it's a split, you know, it's a different uh, timeline. Well, it's a very different timeline. We know that it's a lot longer. But Yeah, um, just that split though. I mean, it's a little bit more like kind of, I suppose, the old days in England where you had a lighting cameraman and you had an operator. Mm -hmm. And on, on, on some shoots, as far as I can understand, the director would work with the operator in terms of the blocking of the shots and the lighting camera would, would really just do the lighting. It was kind of interesting. Just I don't know how that way worked. Of doing but it, yes. But yes. <laughs> well, in a way, though, when you're working the way that we work, there's one less person that you have to deal with, which is kind of good when you're under a lot of pressure. But what is your process when you start an animated film? What do you do first? What are the steps? Just uh, also used to be different also from live action to animation, right? And mostly mm -hmm. of the live action project, you start with the more solid script. Sometimes is the script yes. that has been approved multiple times and mm -hmm. it's not going to change that much in the, mm -hmm. in the principal cinematography. In animation, the script mostly of the times is developed visually. So it's a different process. In some projects, you start with a whole script. In other projects, you start with a treatment, sometimes just a page. So you have a first initial, like no live action, there's conversation with the director about, you know, to get with the vision about the stories, right? So yes. all these early conversations are very important to get to know what they have in mind. And step by step, coming out with the visual pitch for that vision of the story. So you start with, uh, sometimes you start on your own, sometimes you start with a small team of counterparties, coming out with the pitch, you know, a few boards that you put together that shows your initial take of the look of the picture. And that will be like live action similar, concept art combined with photo references, color stretches, location references, graphics, anything that will bring light about a specific visual style. But then you go through many different iterations based on the changes of the story. So the great deal here, because you are pretty much hired for something in between three and five years sometimes. And I mean, I've been on, on this project almost three years right now. And will probably be three and a half before I finish. 
So <laughs> you go through different versions of the story and a great deal of the work after you come up with an initial pitch, visual pitch, is to keep that consistent. So you have yeah. to, so you don't end up with a Frankenstein look, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's the tricky part that you have to rig here and there. So everything has a meaning and a logic and a consistency. Yes, I guess that's even more so on animation because of the length of the time. So things can go start changing a little bit and you're not always aware of that. And the fact, as you said, that the story is kind of developed as it goes along. So everybody's mind could be on other things, but you do have to keep that look consistent. Otherwise it will show. So the length of the time of animation, you're okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it took me a while to get used to it. I remember when I was, I was used to contracts with, you know, projects from three months or even in commercials for a couple of weeks to, you know, DreamWorks hired me for uh, three years and I was scared. I was like, well, what happened if I change my mind? I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get bored. And then I'm totally got used to it. But yes, yeah, it's still a challenge, you know, because I love variety, I love changes. And you're working with the same collaborators and team for a long time, for years, with the mm -hmm. same story. So there's a lot of learning about how to keep the inspiration, the energy, mm -hmm. because also you have to transmit that energy to your team, right? So, you know, it's been a, a lot of learning in the last years for me. And how big is your team on Vivo, for instance? Well, now we are at the end of the, you know, we're getting closer to the end of the production. So we are a small team. It's me, the two art directors and and a couple of counterparties. But sometimes it, it, it keeps changing, you know, in the middle of when we are start production and you have to deliver specific designs and at the same time you're developing new ideas, it could get, the art department could get as big as 20 artists. Each of them has specific skills and specialities, but yeah, it could be as big as 20 or even more. Are you ever involved in the design of the characters, of what they look like? I, I work with the lead character designer, in this case, mm -hmm. Joe Mosher, and supervise him. But he's also, let's say that there's not, you know, in the hierarchy, we are pretty flat. We, we mm -hmm. are not, I keep an eye on it. I give him my feedback. But I'm totally confident with him because he's an amazing character designer mm -hmm. and an expert. So I, in a way, it's a collaboration more than a whole supervision with him. Mm -hmm. In another project, you have to be a little bit more on top of the character designers. Mm -hmm. But in this case, yeah, he's standalone designer. So that's a huge difference, though, from live action, because you're not involved in the casting in live action, but here you kind of are. You know? <laughs> yeah, imagine me giving my opinion about how fat an actor is or how big <laughs> or what about or the how big, big head? Nose. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun, right? Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> 
you mentioned that you work with art directors. Can you explain what the role of art directors are compared to production designer and other roles in the art department? It's similar to uh, live action in the way that you at the head of the department, but then each of the art directors are usually one or, you know, up to three in some movies. But in this case, in vivo, we are uh, one production designer and two art directors. Each of them is a specialist. So uh, in this case, Andy Harness is a specialist in lighting. And mm -hmm. I pretty much give him a lot of room because he's the expert and I am totally confident in what he does. That's what I like. I like his work before working in the movie so much. Mm -hmm. And and the other art director, uh, Wendell Dalit, is a junior art director the first time, but he's a super talented artist. He's, he has a, a super wide skill set and a really good eye and taste for color and textures and appeal. So he's taking care of the look of all the individual things in the set and props. And, mm. and so each of them has a specialty. Mm -hmm. Carlos, before you mentioned, um, you talked about designing the palette and picking colors and maybe some visual references right after you get the script. Are you coming up with these ideas on your own? Are they coming out of thin air? Are you getting ideas from the director? And like, talk about the back and forth to just come up with the look of a film. Yeah, in this case, um, I, you know, I kind of started from scratch, but it's a, it's a, in a way, it's a, you're checking with the director pretty much daily. So you're putting together visuals, color references that you think will support the story and the tone of the story that the director wants, and then check with them. I, in this case, Kirk was, uh, you know, 100% relying on my take. And so you have a lot of room, you know. I mean, actually, the conversation with the directors are not that much about specific colors. It's more about fields, about, you know, the philosophy of the story, about this more about nostalgia than occurs or, or oranges, right? So you have to kind of control and translate those languages and convey those ideas and, and intentions of the directors into a specific color palette. But he, they're pretty much confident in you about putting it together and, and pitch it to them. You began as a painter. You wanted to be a painter. Do you use paintings? Do you use different artists uh, for references a lot? Or uh, how, how do you get a reference? How do you go to a director and say, well, what do you think about this kind of look? Is it just something that comes out of your head and you do a little painting? Or, or do you take, you know, say paintings as references? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do a lot of paint, but digital paint. Uh, mm. And I do, you know, I put. I, I. I think it's the, it's the idea that everything you use to pitch an idea should be the best way of communicating. Some sometimes it's yeah. a photo reference. Sometimes you yeah. have to do something yourself, very specific. Sometimes I. Uh, I even use Roger Dickens' uh, movies reference. <laughs> I'm flattered. Very good. <laughs> including, including that first pitch that I put together for you that was a little bit embarrassing, right? Because 
for me, uh, you know, obviously I'm a great admirer of your work. And also I was using a few of your movie references. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everything that you consider is, is valid yeah. for that. But you sometimes it's easier and faster just to do a drawing, a painting, to be very specific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's similar. I mean, I, I find myself taking references from other movies or from painters and uh, mainly from still photographs, really. Just talking about a look, and it might be to do with the color or it might be to do with framing, you know, uh, or lens choice or something, yeah. yeah. Do you think you need to be an artist or a painter or be proficient at drawing to work in animation as a production designer or something else? Or can you, does that, is that a requirement? I think that is, is a requirement in animation, yes. Because in live action, I, I even work with production designers who didn't draw a line in a project. But they were, they were using the references, just you know, very good references to convey what they had in mind. Uh, but in animation, also, there's a, a higher level of control and a specificity about the design that I think will require, requires to be that specific. And mostly of the time, I mean, when, mostly when you start a project, is only you or a few artists, right? So you have to go and produce the imagery that, that you have in mind. And it's always more useful to draw a sketch in a paper than to talk for a while. Mostly when you're Spanish and you're working with people who speak English, right? I'm very busy. <laughs> that, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And uh -huh. also on um, live action, you're going out and looking for locations, but here you're making the locations. So you have to draw the buildings, right? What you're thinking of, because it's got to come from somewhere. So you're basically creating the locations that you can't go to. Um, yeah, but I think it's one thing looking at a location and another thing figuring how that location is actually going to look on film. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. I, I think so. The uh, what To Matt's question, I don't think you have to be able to draw necessarily, but I think you have to understand composition, whether you're an art director, a production designer, or a cinematographer. Yeah, it's interesting because you know I mean? sometimes you can work with production designers that it's all about the set but not about the frame because the whole thing is everybody does their own thing, but it's when it comes together, that's what's important. Yeah. So you may have a beautiful ceiling on the set, but there's no reason to shoot upwards or a lamp needs to come through that anyway. So a production designer has to understand how it's being shot a live action as well, because everybody's supposedly working together as a team and sometimes i think that's lacking well you because you mentioned that because that's a specific I know, instance I know. where i cut a hole in a ceiling yes. once to get a light in yeah and uh, <laughs> the thing is that we had said we had said over and over and over and over and over again this is going to happen but still the sets were being mm. built like they were houses they were perfect in every way but I think a good set isn't perfect in every way because one wall will move or yeah. because there's a hole over there because you're never going to see in that corner. So it's that kind of ability to be able to design something that works and not have to design it as a whole 
because yeah. sometimes a yeah. hole is a waste of money. Yeah, there is there is a sort of tendency sometimes on live action that where yeah. production designers actually building their dream house or their dream <laughs> dream set, and it actually you know they don't want you to go on it and destroy it and scratch it or anything, <laughs> and you certainly can't cut a wall or, yeah. or you know it, I mean really it's yeah. almost it, it, I I kind of. I love the passion they put into it, but it's actually a set, guys. Yeah. It's, it's well, not going to exist after we finish this shot. It's yeah, kind of wonderful. Yeah. I, it happened. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been there in live action, you know, that. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I was in live action, I was also, when I was doing a concept for a set, I was trying to figure out, given, coming up with opportunities for lighting, right? So, you know, thinking, well, okay, we're, how are they going to live this, you know? And coming up with, enough windows, enough natural or artificial light sources in the set. Mm. And that, that's important. Well, that's why it's important in the beginning to be able to have a good communication with the cinematographer. So, because mm. it's going to make your set look better in, in the long run. There's no way that you would know going in how he's going to light it you, or she. Yeah, always, you got to ask it, it them. It goes back to the whole idea of collaboration and trust, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole process of working on a film is about collaboration, surely. Yeah. 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 And I think on, on Matt's question, again, the other important thing about being able to draw and paint yourself is about the style because live action tend to do photoreal and believable, realistic, while in animation, we do multiple styles. It could be very, mm -hmm. very graphic. It could be like a flat to the illustration, like for example, in the project we are doing right now. So you had to be very specific because it's difficult to find the references for that. I think too, I was almost thinking and comparing it to a director that knows what they want, kind of to what Roger said or a cinematographer but can only draw stick figures. And then they have a storyboard artist design a really, you know, from what they've made, design a really beautiful storyboard or whatever it is. And wondering if it, if anyone wants to work in animation, would they have to go be really good at drawing or be proficient in, you know, taking cl classes or whatnot, or can they use their visual mind and understanding of what they like and other people on set to create the beautiful artwork and things like that? I think there are, you know, there are a lot of tools. So I, because I, you know, I, I, I know a lot of artists in live action who could be making animation movies, right? It's, it's about coming up with a concept and, and producing the visuals to convey that idea, right? So, because we have so many tools now to do that, I think we'll get to a point when any person who is creative and have a vision could find the specific tool to convey that, you know, so not necessarily be excellent drawing, painter, but enough to communicate. When you watch a movie, do you look at the production design? Is that the first thing that you think of? Well, I'm happy when I forget about it. Yeah, I it guess means that the movie's good. How it works for you? Are you analyzing every shot? Well, if, if no. it's a good movie, we're completely yeah. into the movie and then we'll see it again if we want to look at the way it was shot or something. Yeah. So it's a bad movie. I'd usually go to the front row and just study the grain or something, you know what <laughs> I mean? I find that more interesting sometimes than some films. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> you know, yeah, hopefully if the film works, you're not looking at any of that, are you? And then you go back to it at a later time and think, well, why did it work so well? And, you know, what, what elements were really, really drew me in? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think it's for me, I prefer that people say that was an amazing movie than saying, well, the story wasn't that good, but the production designer was excellent. <laughs> right, right. That's that's death, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked great, but the film sucked. <laughs> what would you say that some mistakes that are made in uh, production design? Well, I think this is about, I guess the big mistake is about the egos and bad communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what you say project before is, you know, when you're starting project in live action, the same thing is, yeah, it has to be one single vision, right? So mm -hmm. production yeah. designer working along with the cinematographer with makeup, costume, one single vision. And that's the most important thing. And usually things go wrong when there's no good communication and the rest yeah. of it is the skill sets and experience. Yeah. Yeah. I find, I mean, in a live action world, I find if, as like you said, if something stands out, that it's not whether it's technically brilliant or not, it's whether you, it's something and whether it's the look of a location or the look of a shot or a camera move or a certain way of lighting in a scene that takes the audience out of it, you know? And I, I do find in quite a few movies now that there's a moment where I go, well, why did they do that? That's like, that's very uh, an impressive shot or an impressive location. And my God, you've got 5,000 people CG'd in the background, but really the scene is about somebody's face. You know what I mean? You didn't need all that. It was just showing off. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's like, because we can do it, some people do do it, you know what I mean? I'd be curious too, so from a personal example, I worked on a short film as a cinematographer and we had a production designer who I felt created a terrible set. It looked ugly, it was something I wasn't comfortable shooting. The director was oblivious to it and you talk about communication and if you're not able to do that, I'm unhappy as a cinematographer. The director, maybe he likes it and there's... You got to like, how do you work as a collaborative unit to make sure that everyone's happy? And Roger, you like what's in frame, but maybe it's not your job completely to tell Carlos how the production design looks, but working with the director, like that whole process is very important, I think. Yeah, but that's the collaboration. In the end, it's the, the director makes the call, obviously, but that's the collaboration. I mean, my, my opinion is not exactly the same as Carlos, but that's what makes it so interesting. You're kind of swapping ideas and hopefully somewhere you find something else that is, you know, greater than each in a way. That's what you hope. Well, that's the whole purpose of it, yeah. the way it's set up. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's also what I like about, you know, this, this specific collaboration because we are very different and, and these take lighting versus your uh, is different. And the things that are coming from that are excellent. You know, it's like, like cooking, like it's, it's going to yeah. be richer and richer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and that's the idea, right? When, when you don't have any, uh, when it's very straightforward and univocal is usually the, the, the visual lack interest 
because of that. And, and actually that's, I guess that why we are all in this business, right? Because it's, it's also an opportunity to keep playing, right? Yeah, and learn, and learn from other people. You learn by doing it, but you learn from other people. That's what, I mean, that's what I've loved about being involved in animation, because it's a totally dis different discipline for me. But I, I'm learning. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't learning. And, like, you know, and, and it's the collaboration and the different ideas that go around that, that is very, you know, stimulating, inspiring. Mm. I remember, I think it was Dead Man Walking, which was probably Richard Hoover. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing that the production design on that that was so great was it was small, ugly houses, and yeah. it was supposed to be ugly in the story. It was just you know not great neighborhoods and all that, but that he really he really embraced it. It and, served the film. Yeah, he, he wasn't trying to be showy. He didn't mm -hmm. pick anything that st stood out. I mean, it, he was almost trying to. Um, <laughs> destroy his own sort of perspective <laughs> and yeah. create this kind of really kind of bland, you know. Which must be a, a challenge because you're used to making everything as perfect as you can in general, but yeah. to pull yourself back and go, no, I want it to look yeah. bad. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll be telling tales, but it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Rick Heinrichs, you know, you know, Rick, yeah. really fantastic, fantastic designer, right? Well, he was on Fargo, right? He did Fargo. And I remember we were scouting hotels and we were in, in a Radisson and, um, <laughs> the boys John and Ethan were looking at this passageway it was a, a looking at a blue wall a kind of a, a, a sofa and there was a picture on the wall and uh Rick said well that's kind of interesting what do you think about that and the guys went nah it's too interesting <laughs> <laughs> so I think I said what if we took the picture off the wall and then he said, well, it's getting there. Rick couldn't put it together, you know, immediately, because this was like our first day scouting. It was like, what do you mean? What? That's too interesting. It's like nothing there. You know what I mean? But he really, he really got into it after that. It was great. You know, less is more. Yeah, you, you have to, to balance, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I think that, I mean, traditionally think of, of animation movies as something that has to look pretty and beautiful all the time. But it's like in live action, you know, sometimes it requires to have something that looks ugly, disgusting, very dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it depends on the tone of the project. Yeah. 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 Do you like, I mean, there's a thing in animation now. Well, it's kind of like animation and live action, like, you know, whether it's Jungle Book or Lion King or something, it, you tend towards more painterly work, right? In, in animation rather than towards those kind of films where they're trying to be photoreal? Well, if, you, if you're talking about the, the latest films that are, you know, the, the, the Lion King and all that, I mm. definitely like the painterly, but yeah. not specifically about that movie, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's about bringing something else that you don't get with the realistic look. So you don't have to bring anything else. It's perfect to, to make it look real. But you need to bring the audience into somewhere else. You need to do something different, right? So it depends right. on the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that you must 
get your head, especially with animation, because it, what is it, three and a half years? You get your head into one way of looking sort of for that movie. Then it must be such a big change over to go into another movie because you don't want to do the same thing and you've got to like clear out the old and bring in something new, right? Yeah. And I, I personally don't have any, I mean, I, my personal stuff is different, but I don't have a personal style when I work in animation movies. So mm -hmm. in each animation movie requires a different take. And mm -hmm. instead if they're looking to mimic something that you've done in another movie, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of the joy of, you know, and the challenge of doing, creating something new from scratch. Yeah. And how do you choose your projects? What is it that appeals to you when you read a script or a treatment? It's, um, I mean, I guess that most of the time is something very organic that you, and, you know, that you have to keep your passion under control when you get excited <laughs> about working with someone or a good story and, and break down the pros and cons, right? But most of mm -hmm. the times it's a, it's, a, it's a combination of a, an interesting story and a, an artistic challenge and then about the team, you know, about the people who are involved. And more and more, um, when I started, the most important thing was about the artistic challenge or the opportunity. But now and now it's more, is that I, I give it more room to who are you working with and have been able yeah. to, you know, to have fun and create something great uh, with amazing people and collaborators. Do you tend to work with the, the same team? Uh, do you work, have you worked with your, you know, art director and other people? Do you, do you tend to work with them over a long period on different projects? I, I tried, for example, in this project, I tried to, to bring uh, artists that I'd work with in, in the previous ones or in another movies or when I was at DreamWorks. But it's, it's a chance because it takes so long that just having the people you want available is not working all the time. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. And in this case, and on the other side, it's a great opportunity because you have the, you know, you have the chance to meet amazing artists you never work with. Like what yeah, is happening yeah. in this project. So it's a combination of both. I, I love to, to work with people I know. I, I'm actually, um, I, my, my wife worked in this project and we've been collaborating multiple times in, in the past. And, and, and this is an interesting thing because it's about communication, right? So working with an artist who know you and you know her and having that great communication saves a lot of yes. time. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's very important that it's about understanding, have, sharing the same language and maybe taste and references. So that that's a good thing. And uh, definitely like to, to work again with the same thing. But I guess since if you work with different studios in animation, a lot of times they have their preferred people to work with, right? So you're going to come in and, and have a pre-made team for you. Well, it depends. I mean, uh, in, in this case, you know, when, when I started in the project, they'd been working with two or three counterparties before. And I, I love what 
you know, the early, early ideas that we were coming with. Uh, but then we kind of redid the art department, the art team. So I kept a couple of the artists who were, were pretty much one that was early on. So mm-hmm. I, I think the studios are pretty respectful of you putting together a new team. I mean, they probably get a better product from it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, in this case, for example, we've you know, been fortunate to work with, with Joe Moshir, who is a lead character designer in the project. And that was decision from the directors on the studio. I'm fascinated with his work. I was a great admirer when he was at DreamWorks as well. So I obviously, I, I say, well, this is a great idea and looking forward to, you know, to have him. So, yeah. but overall, they give you a room to put together a team. And is there a type of animation film? Do animation films have genres like Westerns? I don't know. Is there a type that you'd really love to tackle? Well, I don't know anything. I mean, I, I, I'm working in a musical and I worked in theater musicals time ago. But I've never done one in animation, so I'm I'm doing it right now. I'm very happy. I don't know. I'm I like to do something different all the time, and mm-hmm. I think now animation it's a great time for animation because the I think they're starting to realize that it's not a genre; it's a technique. And the studios, the smaller studios out of Hollywood, are coming up with different takes in terms of the look of the films. And Hollywood will have to adapt to that. And so I think it's mm-hmm. a great opportunity for us to be involved in different, in different treatments, not the default uh, animation look, right? So I like to, to be involved in that, those kind of projects. Do you think the Spider-Man film would make a big difference? You know, the, the way that seemed like a very different a, a, looking a, a different yeah departure from the norm didn't it in terms of animation yeah definitely i mean i think it's been a great it's been actually really great for us for our project because that that was the film that they done before in the studio and and artistically and technically a lot of new things new takes and and pipelines and techniques that we are benefiting from right so i think it's big uh, it's been a big change overall in the animation world yeah it's interesting because well, years and years ago when i was at film school i remember we were watching uh, the films that were done by the canadian film board they used to do a lot of animation and sometimes it was just yeah. like line animated line drawings wonderful things so it's really wonderful yeah the but the breadth and the difference the variety of styles and approaches was I feel that a little bit lacking. That's why it's so great to see Vivo, but also to work on mm-hmm. Vivo, but also um, see Spider-Man, you know, that it's widening the... It's trying uh, something different. Yeah, you know, yeah. not for the sake of it, but it's taking a, a different technique. Pushing a, it a little further. Pushing it on a certain subject, yeah. Yeah, what, 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 was your, what were your favorite animation movies or shows? Before Pixar, before ThingWorks. <laughs> oh. When I was a kid, when I was probably five, <laughs> the before the days of television, mm-hmm. when I was probably five, my dad had a projector that he pinched in Germany when he was in the war. 
uh, he had a projector he brought back and a little screen and you could rent cartoons. They were called cartoons then, so I'm mm -hmm. not being derogatory. So <laughs> I love Felix the Cat. I must have, I think it was Felix Cat Goes to the Moon. I don't feel that was the title, but he was on the moon at one point. Yes. I must have watched that a million times. There must have been more splices on the film than the had than actual cuts. Yeah. So I, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. We used to climb up into the attic, and, and you know, at the end of the day and watch these. Yeah. Little reel of cartoon, you know, over and over again. Uh, it was Felix the Cat, Betty Boop. Did you ever see Betty no, Boop? No, it was Felix the Cat. It Which was, is uh, pretty dark, actually, if you look at yeah, it now. Yeah, Felix, a bit of Mickey Mouse, I think. And I kind of remember Popeye as well, maybe. But Felix was the best. I thought, they're just what a character. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it was about story. <laughs> yeah, no, it was about story. <laughs> but in a way, that I'm pretty sure that Felix the Cat has, in a way shape your own vision of the world and cinematography in some way. No, it's funny, yeah. You, it's wow, it's funny, but you, I mean, you're laughing, but you're also serious, aren't you? Because I think that's true. Because there was something about, I, we climbed a little old rickety ladder up into the attic, and then my dad would start the projector in the dark and the flickering of the light and the beam and the dust in this dirty old attic. And then seeing this wonderful image, well, it's a pretty bad image, but it was a wonderful thing as a, as a, a five, I think I probably five, four, five, six, you know, a few, couple of years before we had television, you know. Yeah, so I think it did. I mean, I, you don't connect it, obviously, at the time, but I, it's obviously there. It's a very clear <laughs> memory. <laughs> and what about you, Carlos? What were your favorite cartoons? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I kind of uh, love the all Disney movies, and the very early, right? right the, where were the Silly Symphonies? I love those, were my favorites. And then I missed the, the second golden era of Disney. At that time, I was already seeing, I don't know, the Bill Clinton animation. You know, you know mm -hmm. Bill Clinton? And mm -hmm. he does all hand-drawn, it's amazing. And, wow. or, or, I don't know, I was, I was watching, uh, I was seeing heavy metal or Japanese animation, uh, mm -hmm. Akira, of course. Um, but yeah, but obviously, you know, my childhood, all the UPA uh, studio and Hanna-Barbera cartoons kind of like got mm -hmm. stuck in my, in the back of yeah. my brain, right? Yeah. So I'm still liking the very graphic and abstract take. Interesting. That's interesting. Oh, yours. What were mine? I I think I probably watched them all. Yeah, actually, yeah. I used to love the Road Runner. Oh yeah, I I just thought it was that Coyote was so stupid. Yeah. It was hard for me to watch. <laughs> uh, Carlos, do you have any advice for a film school student or somebody who might want to get into production design, whether it's live action or animation, and how they could go about getting to work on films like you have? Well, I think it's, you know, compared of how I started, now you have a lot of online teaching workshops, mostly online now is, is going to be the big thing yes. from now on. And, <laughs> yeah. and so I, I think specific skill sets is something that you can, and actually I do that all the time. You have to keep learning all your life. But I, I think it's important that they go and, and to a good film school or a good animation film school 
and learn, understand the main concept of production design or a direction and not specific skill sets because that's something that they can develop on their own. And the other good thing about the good film school is about meeting with people you're gonna and, and kind of build relationships that mm -hmm. will be great and in your life and career, you know, so then you can create shows or collaborate with another people you know that are different from you and build something else and learn a lot from the others. So, and then you can work, I mean, you can learn at home on your own, anything about modeling, drawing, and, you know, it's a trial and error and process that never ends. So that's my, my advice, trying to get into a good a school that teach you how you how to collaborate with another to create a project. Yeah, well, I think that's a really important point too, is collaboration. You've got to foster that within yourself. You've got to teach yourself to listen because you've got to hear. Sometimes people are very brilliant and they have great ideas, but they don't do as well because They can't hear what the director's saying because they have this one vision they're going towards. And I think to foster that in any position in filmmaking is going to really help you. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you want more information and further discussion, check out the forums at www.rogerdeacons.com. Becoming a member is free, and you can ask follow-up questions there. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast for more new questions and topics. Also, check us out on Instagram at team.deacons. See you next time.